Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. So today's sermon is titled The Way of Wisdom. And I have to be completely honest with you guys. I was so nervous when I saw this was what I was going to be preaching about. Because my thoughts on wisdom maybe is a little Hollywoodish on the fact that you don't have wisdom unless you're really, really old and have an epic gray beard and you walk around with a staff and like everything you say is in riddles and you don't understand it when he says it until the event happens and you're like, oh, old man Jenkins told me about this when he talked about the river somehow. You know what I mean? And so as I was thinking about this and praying on this, I was like, God, I have no idea. I don't have an epic beard, Lord. I can barely grow the one I have now. And I'm not, I'm not, I haven't experienced all that you guys have experienced, maybe, and I haven't been through the things that you have been through, and so what could I possibly preach on about wisdom? How could I relate that to you guys when I felt like I wasn't wise in myself? But the more I studied, the deeper my understanding of wisdom grew, of it's not just this Hollywood thing, that, and I hope that as we go through these passages and study the Word together, that you will realize the access and the use of God's wisdom we all have at any moment in any areas of our lives. That you don't have to wait for that one moment eight years down the road where that's when you're wise. You can be wise right now in your walk with God. So I hope that's what you get out of this today. So please turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 3, starting at verse 5. And we're going to read from verse 5 to 9, and it's also on the Sky Bible if you want to use that. But if you have your normal Bibles or digital Bibles, say amen when you're there, so I know. That's what I'm talking about, okay. Everyone's good? All right, starting at verse five. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? And as followers of Jesus, we can make a request for wisdom. That's a privilege we have in Christ. And first off, reading this, I had... I was trying to figure out, like, what would I ask for in this moment? God came to me in a dream. He's right there, and, and I have a face-to-face with God. What do you want? Like, man, I don't know. And it's not that I don't desire a lot of stuff, right? But it's if, if I'm actually being honest and I'm face-to-face with God, like, how would I handle that? How would you handle that situation? 
being face to face with God? Would you just freely be able to say, I want this, or I desire this, or are you going to be so like humbled by his presence and you're just going to worship and cry or fall down at his feet? What would be your response if you had a face to face with God? And I was trying to think that, what, what would my response be? Would I be ashamed of myself? What would I ask for? But the more I studied, the more I prayed on this, the reality of this moment that Solomon had in a dream, because of what Jesus did, we can experience that daily. Daily, we can go to the throne room of God. We don't have to wait anymore for God to come to us or come in us in a dream. Because of Jesus, he made a way that we can directly connect with God whenever we want. However we want, we can talk to God. So this, this thing that happened that was so special for Solomon can be normal every day for us if we choose to. If we choose to seek out God, if we choose to request things from God and ask him. And the God that's in this moment with Solomon, the same God is the same God that we worship. And he's there every day. What do you need? What can I help you with? What's going on? What's wrong? We have to realize that God is there, that he's not just angry all the time and set with us, but he really wants to see us succeed, and he really wants to help you, and he wants you to trust him, and so he's there. What do you need? What can I help you with? What's going on? Let's get through this together. We don't have to be an island when it comes to our walk with God, and I think sometimes we forget the privileges we have in Christ. And this is so important to recognize because anything you face or any moment or situation you find yourself in, you're not alone. God's right there. You don't have to wait for the special dreams. You can know right now, even in this moment, you can pray and seek God's counsel, and he's right there. Wherever you're at at work, when you're dealing with new situations, when you're stressed out, God, I need you right now. We don't have to wait like the Jews did back in the day. You can only come to God once a year and offer a sacrifice like, oh, 362 days until I get to ask for forgiveness again. That's not our reality anymore because of what Jesus did. That's what we just celebrated with communion. Be thankful that God did that for you. Amen? And while God and Solomon were in this moment, in this dream, Solomon requested wisdom from God. And I began to wonder why. Like, was it because Solomon was an idiot already? Is that what he was thinking? Was he just a dumb guy? I don't think so. Because before this happened... David on his deathbed was telling Solomon, okay, here's some situations I want you to handle. I need you to take care of. I couldn't take care of them while I was king, so now you get to inherit some of my problems. <laughs> Happy birthday. You know, <laughs> isn't that great? <laughs> and Solomon in this moment, he has these different situations and he, he handles them pretty well according to the context, I think, of the best that he could do at the time. And he found a way to complete them and deal with them. But I believe that he asked for understanding because the pressure of leadership became real. He got to taste it a little bit. And now he's a little like, this, this is a lot to deal with. We see that Solomon let him taste, or that God let Solomon taste this responsibility before he asked him, what do you need? What are you dealing with? Does a God do that to you sometimes? He lets you go through something, and then he's like, how are you doing? You gonna call on me yet? You don't have to do this alone. And for Solomon, he tried it, and maybe he did it in his own might, but he didn't have to. And we can all find ourselves on that same road, trying to figure out life, trying to make decisions before we realize how really bad we are at it. Have you ever done that? Made a terrible decision, because you're like, oh, that was dumb. I should have prayed first before I smacked that person. You know what I mean? Maybe you don't physically smack people, okay? Maybe you do. 
need some Jesus. I'm just kidding. But our standards of, of what we think is right are, are based on exactly that, what we think is right. Apart from God, what you think is right is just your opinion, really. And we see that, do you see that in our world today between different cultures? What this culture thinks is okay to do or how to parent? This culture and, and everything don't think that the same way. Like, nope. Like, even in Germany, you don't spank your kids or discipline your kids that way. And in the States, like, that's what you do. That's what that culture believes in. And even with politics, like, the left thinks, you should do this, and this is how we should operate. And the right's like, no, we shouldn't. So it's this constant battle of your own opinion and what you think is right, and different people groups saying what is right. And how do you know? And we live in a culture now where we have so many social media warriors, man. You know those guys on Facebook or Instagram, whatever, and they've, they're life coaches at 21. <laughs> they, they know how to tell someone, okay, you should handle this situation. And it's all these opinions. And we live in this day and age where we think everyone needs a social media account. Everyone needs to have some kind of platform to tell someone else how to live their life. Do you notice that? I'm not the only one, right? Maybe it's happening to you too. You just post a picture and they're like, oh, by the way, da-da-da-da-da, this is how you should do this and that. I'm like, okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. But apart from God, what we think is right is just opinionated. And for most of us, we have some type of wisdom understanding, wisdom and understanding, but it isn't always divine wisdom and understanding. Have you ever heard of the term street smarts? Yes. Like you know how to handle certain situations or certain people or certain hoods or whatever else, and you know who to talk to, how to get what you need. Maybe you didn't grow up in hoods. Sorry, that's my reality. Maybe it's not yours. Hallelujah that it's not yours. <laughs> and we see that in this moment, we can get wrapped up into to handling situations the way we think is best. But even Solomon in this moment, he's not even doing that because he's serving God already. Before God appears to him, he is serving God and he is actively sacrificing to God. And Solomon wasn't dumb because he got to see how his dad was king. He watched and he learned how David handled situations, good ways and bad ways. And he got to see that and experience that in his dad. And there was a long time where he got to witness that because Solomon becomes king probably between 20 and 30 years old. And so he's had 20 to 30 years to watch how a king should operate his kingdom. He's been watching for a while, but now he's not watching anymore. Now it's real. Now you are the leader. Now you are the king. And we all have those moments before leadership that we have to go through that experience stage. We have to learn situations. You don't just happen like, boom, you know how to deal with everything. You don't see a 20-year-old come out of officer candidate school and like, you should be a three-star general. We trust you, right? Does that sound idiotic? Yes, because you need to gain some experience. You need some understanding before you're thrown into this leadership. And Solomon had had that. He had dealt with that. He's gaining experience, and he's, he's gained street smarts, how to handle situations. But there comes a point, and there came a point in his life and in our lives where our wisdom, our own wisdom, our own street smarts just won't cut it. We have to get to a place where we are completely humbled by God. And just like Solomon, we have to reach that place of everything I have and all the responsibility that I'm given, all these opportunities, they're way too much for me to handle on my own. You start feeling that, oh, like this is a lot, and this is not going to stop. Once you're in that leadership role, it's rarely you can just jump out of it that easily. Now you've got to face it. You've got to deal with it. 
and it became real, you start feeling that magnitude, and you're like, I need your help, Lord. I cannot do that. Has anybody been there where you hit a situation like, God, I need you because I don't know how to deal with this anymore. I thought I knew. Maybe I was on the right track, but now it's too much. And I believe that Solomon faced that because one of his acts of judgment was he had his brother killed. One of his first acts of king was killing his brother because he saw if his brother continued to do what he was going to do, he was going to try to overrule Solomon again and become king. And to nip it in the bud, he had to kill his brother. And that's got to hit heavy for anybody, even if you're not close to your brother and sister, to have them killed and executed, that brings a lot on yourself. And I believe that's where we find Solomon in this situation. And it took real humility for Solomon as he stood before God. And the first thing he did was recognize that, God, I'm only here because of my father. I'm only here because David was the apple of your eye. David served you. David put you first. And because of that, I'm a product of that. I'm not the shepherd boy that got promoted to king. I was born into this. I didn't earn this. And I recognize that. Some of us are given those opportunities that that we've been blessed with because of others before us. And you have to recognize that and be humble. That wasn't you that created that opportunity. That was other people before you. And that's where Solomon at. And, and Solomon even, he didn't believe that he was chosen specifically for this role. He said, I'm one of all the Israelites, but they're all chosen. Who am I? God, I don't think I have what it takes, to be honest with you. I've tasted it. I don't think I have it. And for me, it's really encouraging. It may sound rude that I'm like, oh, you don't think you're going to make it. Yes, because I feel that way all the time. I don't know about you guys in your life or dealing with maybe parenting or work or whatever. You get to those points, you're like, I don't know if I can do this for the next 10 years, next 20 years, 30 years, whatever. It's a lot of work. I think, take it back. I don't want to handle this situation. (laughs) But for Solomon, he's recognizing that this is not going away and that he needs God. He needs to be close to God. He needs the encouragement. And God doesn't have issues when you think you're not good enough. That's a good place to be. Somebody say amen. That's a great place to be because then it allows God in his strength to empower your weakness. In our weakness, he is strong. And it sets up God that that you're like, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can lift this situation. I can't do it. He's like, good, give it to me. I love lifting. I love taking care of this situation. I love helping you out. I'll do the heavy work. You just obey me. You just stay close to me. I'll take care of it. People attack you, whatever. I'll stop them. It's okay. I'll handle the situation for you. And it puts us in that perfect position to constantly lean into God's power because our only real hope is found in Jesus. And everything was created and sustained through him and for him. And if we believe that as Christians, why do we make decisions apart from God? If you really believe that in Jesus, everything came about and everything is sustained, our breath, everything the earth can still spin on. And that axis, I think, I wasn't really good in science, but I think that's what it says. But in everything that happens, that Jesus makes it happen. So when you're up against a predicament or situation, why not go to the one that created everything that allowed that situation to happen? Why do we think we have enough wisdom in ourselves to do it in our own power? Our decisions and lives need to be bathed in prayer and submitted to God, trusting the one who created the world and sustains the universe. 
And it's important to note that God appeared to Solomon after Solomon's already following and already sacrificing to God. God didn't create this special moment just because he was king. He did it because Solomon trusted God before he saw him. That's what God wants from us, to trust him through the situation, thank him in advance before we see him move, before we see the reality of the redemption of that situation and him making it better, that we trust him in the process. Not just in the big moments and we don't turn our back on him when everything seems terrible, but we trust him through it, amen? And for Solomon, he didn't start trusting him after that. He saw the realness of God in the life of his father. Parents, listen up. Your kids are going to see the reality of Jesus through you. If you claim that you're a Christian, if you claim you love God, then your actions and your life and your speech need to reflect that. And if they don't, that's when your kids will get a distorted view of who Jesus is. That's when you have those kids that are raised in church and all they see, they, they hate Jesus, they hate the term, they just think hypocritical nonsense, they think he doesn't love me, he just wants to tell me what to do. Oftentimes because parents will send their kids to church or youth camp and then not worry about the rest of the days. And you have to show that, you have to live it out. And not just parents, but all of us, all of our lives should reflect Christ to everyone around us. You shouldn't just do it right here on Sundays. I'm really nice. I'm happy. I dress good. Yeah, I didn't say a curse word at all this morning. That's awesome because I'm in the house of God. Guess what? You're the church. We are the body of Christ. We represent God everywhere that we go. Your character, your life, and your words are noticed by other people. And here we see that God noticed Solomon's heart behind his request. Initially, he just wanted to steward God's people well. He wasn't concerned with his own ego. He humbled himself and didn't desire more stuff. He desired first to be a servant. God, how can I serve your people? That's where it has to begin. And look at how God responds. Turn with me to verse 10 now. Same chapter. I'm going to read verse 10 through 15. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding and to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Verse 15 says, And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all of his servants. God desires to bless us with the gift of wisdom. And right off the bat, God was pleased with Solomon. Solomon humbled himself, God, I need your help. And God's like, that's what I'm looking for. Servants, I need people to recognize they need my help. Good. And he wasn't selfish. Solomon wasn't selfish. He knew he needed help. So upon his request for wisdom, God answered. But he didn't just answer it. He didn't like, boom, you got wisdom. All right, peace, Solomon. I'll be in the temple. That's not what happened. God gave him more than what he asked for. He gave him riches and honor. And why is this important to us to recognize that? 
Because what you ask for God, God doesn't just want to meet the issue. He wants to go beyond the issue. He wants to bless you more than we deserve, more than we've asked for. You ask for God to redeem this situation. He's like, sure, I'll redeem that one and that one and that one and I'll restore this friendship and I'll help that. And he does things that we didn't even think was possible. But we first have to ask. And God wants to give us gifts. He loves giving gifts. And it may not always be the tangible gifts, you know, like, I want a Maserati. He's like, yeah, you have a Maserati, man. You deserve it. I love you. That's not always the gifts that God gives us, right? His gifts that he really desires for us to have are something deeper, not always tangible, like joy, love, peace, patience is a big one. Don't pray for it. I'm just kidding. Pray for it, but you'll get tested. And all these gifts that he wants to give us are, are initially, they're fruits of the Spirit. Have you noticed that? The real gifts that God wants to give you, are, they come through the Holy Spirit. And the gift of wisdom is one of them. It's something special that God wishes more of us would seek. He wants us to seek wisdom. And Solomon realized this, and he recorded this in Proverbs 1, and I'll paraphrase from verse 20 to 23. It says that wisdom cries out for all to hear. Wisdom's crying out in the marketplace, in the street corner, whatever. Listen, listen, I can help you. Listen, stop being dumb. I can help you out. Just listen to me for once. And though wisdom cries out, do we listen all the time? Be honest. No? Okay, I'm not the only one. Good. I'm in good company. We're all real and honest here. Even though wisdom cries out and you know sometimes the right thing to do, we don't follow it. And why is it that that happens? If that's true, if what the Bible records is true, which I believe it is, and wisdom is crying out for everyone to hear, not just the church, but for everyone, why don't more people seek wisdom and get wisdom? Because the beginning of wisdom starts by fearing the Lord. And we live in a culture in this day and age where not very many people fear God. And even if you say you fear him, you don't revere him. Really, if you look around, a lot of people, they're not acting like they fear God. And maybe it's part of the church's fault. Maybe we've pushed this persona of God that he's just love and rainbows and butterflies. God loves everybody. He wants everybody to be saved. He just wants to help you with your problems and just fix you completely. And part of that is true. But we also forget the fact that God is a judge. He judges the world. And if people don't find themselves in Christ, they're going to have a really bad day coming for them. And they have an eternity set because they don't trust God. And so while we witness and while we preach this, we, yes, God is love. God wants to take care of you and transform you. But if you don't accept it, when you meet God, it's going to be a very different version than you think you know. And that's why it's important for us to reach out and help people. And with God, Jesus said to fear him because he can destroy not just your body, but your soul as well. We're going around not giving people advice or helping people because we're afraid of what they're going to do to us. Well, what can they do? Can they hurt you worse than what God could do? Completely destroy you? Completely set you in eternity? You have to fear God instead of man. We have to do that together as a church. And not only do we start to realize God's love, but his actual power, that's where wisdom really starts in our lives. And it's the type of wisdom that was there at the beginning of creation. When God was setting up the foundations of the earth, when he was making the plants, when he was making the animals and the giraffes and the zebras and all the things, wisdom was there. Wisdom watched. Wisdom learned. 
That's the type of wisdom that God wants to give you, something amazing, and that's in Proverbs 8, by the way. But in 1 Corinthians, at the first chapter, the Bible records that Jesus became wisdom from God. Jesus became wisdom for us. Isn't that cool to think that about Jesus, that he became and it's everything that we will ever need and want? And he took on all our sins. He completely redeemed us. Now he became wisdom. Like he's everything you could ever hope for wrapped up. And isn't it interesting that with Jesus becoming wisdom and what Proverbs says about wisdom, that they cry out for all to hear. Didn't Jesus do that? Do you go through the gospels and you see where Jesus did that? And he's crying out, listen, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now is the time. Now is the time to repent. And so the gift of wisdom is fulfilled in a deep and meaningful relationship with Jesus. We can access real divine wisdom because of Jesus. And it doesn't just happen in like a supernatural way. Like it doesn't like you pray for it. Like James talks about this. It's a great book of the Bible, by the way. Please read it. It's only a few chapters. But James says, if you ask for wisdom, God will give it to you. But how do you know God gave it to you? That's the real question, right? Like before I preached this, I was like, am I wise at all? I don't really know. I'm not sure. Because I was, again, thinking that when God gives you wisdom, that some situation happens, right? Mabel Sprinkle like that. I saw what you did there. <laughs> but when God gives you wisdom, that now you're come up against a situation, you're faced something, you've got to make a choice, and people around you are like, wait a second. Okay, I feel a tingle in my brain, possibly my heart. Something's happening. The next words that come out of my mouth are going to be gold, guys. This is from the Lord right this moment. Does it always happen that way? No? Are any of you wise out there that that has happened? Because I would like to know how that works, if that's real. Because I don't think it's real. Because wisdom is the practical application of knowledge. That knowledge and that understanding that you get going through life circumstances, wisdom is used to apply that to your life. So you may be really smart, and you may have experienced a lot of stuff, but if you can't apply that same knowledge to your life and someone else's life, it's nothing, Jack. You got nothing. You may know a lot of stuff, but you can't help anybody, and you're not helping yourself because you can't apply it. You need God to do that. We learn how to deal with things and what advice to give, not only based on our personal experiences, on our past, on other people's lives, but we must lean in to hear the Holy Spirit. If that's what we believe, that's what the Bible says, that the gift of wisdom comes from the Holy Spirit, then you need to have a deep, meaningful relationship with the Holy Spirit. You need to spend time with the Holy Spirit. Because all these spiritual gifts that God wants to give you come through Him. He decides when you get it and how you get it in whatever situation. We have to pursue a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because He is a gift from God, initially a gift from God. And to truly accept everything that he wants to give you, we have to be in a real relationship with him. Amen? Because you need to be close to him because there are going to be moments where you face where you don't know what to do. You don't know how to handle the situation. You know, the, the flight or flight moments, fight or flight. I'm always tongue-tied, guys. Hopefully it's relatable to you. I don't know. <laughs> but anyways, you come up against those situations where you don't know what to do. Like, do I go right or do I go left? You need to listen to the Holy Spirit and gain his wisdom. Because Jesus said, when you come up against those situations, when you come up against authorities and powers, don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't worry about to deal with it. It'll be the Holy Spirit speaking through you. Once we're filled with him, then when the situations come, we're like, okay, God, I'm really, I believe that you're telling me to do this. I believe you're telling me to do this. And you rest in that. 
And, and Peter experiences in Acts chapter 12. I'll just go over it a little bit. That Peter, this is after the disciples and the church is filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus already ascended into heaven, and something serious has happened. The church is growing. It's great. Miracles are happening. But now they just grab James. He was one of the 12 disciples, and they killed him. Through the church, through all its power, everything, and, and healing people, now they've lost a pillar. And even so much that because other people like that, they grab Peter now, and he's chained up. And he's on trial tomorrow. And you would think, put yourself in Peter's situation in the moment. Yeah, you trust God, you love God. But they, they just killed one of my best friends that I've known for years. They could do that to me too. So if I was Peter, I'd try to put myself in his shoes that I would just be pacing in the cell like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going on. I'm stressing out. How do I deal with tomorrow? What will I say? But how did Peter deal with it? He was sleeping. Can you sleep well when you're stressed out and anxious? Can anyone do that? It's a miracle if you can, because I cannot. I'm completely like, what do I do? But Peter remembered that it'll be the Holy Spirit speaking through me. So I say all that to say you're going to deal with those moments where it seems like your world upside down and you don't know what to do, but that's where you have to lean in to God's wisdom. You have to lean in to the power of the Holy Spirit and let him handle the situation. And in this case, handled it well because an angel came and rescued Peter. Peter didn't even have to stand trial. The church prayed for him, and he was completely rescued and didn't have to deal with it. And not only should we accept wisdom that is not out of reach for us, but we have to use it. And that's what we'll talk about in these next few verses. But before I do that, notice what Solomon did right after God ended the dream. He's like, I give you all of this. Solomon went and sacrificed to God. He went and thanked God before it happened. Before he initially had to use it, use this gift, he went and thanked God. And that's something that we can recognize and hold on to, that in your situations, before you pray, before you go to God, thank him first. Thank God for what he's done. Did he not answer the prayers that you said yesterday or the day before or 10 years before? Has he not come through? Then every time you go to God, don't let it be like, God, all right, it's me again. Um, Listen, I'm dealing with this again. I know you're good. I need you to deal with this. But God, I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you've done behind the scenes that I didn't even know happened because God takes care of his children. And so when you pray, start it with thankfulness and end it with thankfulness. We can learn something really awesome from Psalms if you go through Psalms. That's how David did it. Thank you, God. I'm dealing with this. They're coming after me, but I know you're good. You're going to take care of me. It's ridiculous, but that's how, a way, that's how we should pray. We should constantly let it show through our actions. So Solomon now is in his kingdom, and there are two prostitutes that come up to him. And he's got a weird dilemma because there's two prostitutes and one baby, and both of them are saying, that baby is mine. There was another baby, but it died. And now these two prostitutes are fighting over this one baby. How's he going to deal with that? Turn with me to verses 23 through 28. Same chapter still. What did they say? Amen. Amen. Ooh, awesome. Okay. Then the king said, the one says, this is my son that is alive and your son is dead. And the other says, no, but your son is dead and my son is the living one. And the king said, bring me a sword. That's intense. So a sword was brought before the king. Verse 25, and the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. 
Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, oh my Lord, give her the living child and by no means put him to death. But the other said, he shall be neither mine nor yours, divide him. That's awesome. Then the king answered and said, give the living child to the first woman and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered. And they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. And what an interesting exercise of wisdom that was. Has anyone ever fixed your problems with the sword by threatening with the sword? And I was thinking about this initially because we're blessed with hindsight bias, right? We can see what happened. We can read the verse beforehand. But can you imagine, like, the guy that serves Solomon, and Solomon's up on his throne, and he's like, oh, I wonder how he's going to deal with that. I wonder, how are you going to deal with this baby? Oh, snap, he just called for a sword? He just told him to cut that baby in half? Like, what is going on, David? We need David back, Lord. This king is not fit. And it sounds ridiculous. It sounded ridiculous to me. Cut the baby. What? And I don't think that was God in his ear saying, okay, Solomon, here's the wisdom. Threaten to cut the baby in half. I'll take care of the rest. Like, I don't think God in all his love and his mercy said that to Solomon, okay? I think that what happened is God was showing the king that the real mother would love the baby more than the other one. And he was letting Solomon realize that the real mother would want the best for the baby, and so God grants us this wisdom. He lets us in to have that insight, to be able to see the full picture, and then we have the freedom and the ability to deal with it how we choose. God can give you wisdom. He can bless you with it, but you don't have to exercise it in the right way. You can get it. You can hear it. You can hear God, and you can choose to completely do something different, or you can choose to deal with the situation and what you think is best, and that's what Solomon did. Solomon had that opportunity to use the freedom that he had. And Solomon decided the best way to bring out the mother's compassion was to threaten the life of the baby. And everyone marveled at this situation. And people will recognize the wisdom that God gives you. People notice. And you'll start being promoted to different opportunities, higher positions, because people are like, man, you, you've got something. You've got something. I see it on you. All Israel saw it on Solomon. Maybe people see it on you today, and that's why you're on this upward chain. You're going up the ladder pretty well in your life or whatever. But this wisdom, the way we exercise it, comes with a price. And not only can it easily draw attention to yourself, but it can stimulate your own pride. To where you're like, I've got this. Beforehand, you're like, God, I don't know what to do. You can find yourself like Solomon. I don't know how to deal with this. I tried it. I failed but over time, you can get to the point where you're like, yeah, I know how to do this. I'm good. I got this. I don't really need to pray about this situation. I've got wisdom. And it's easy to turn our backs on God and not ask for assistance. And we have to be careful not to use God-given wisdom for selfish gain or to deceive others. There's a gift in that that you can see the whole picture and see the clear picture. And it's easy for you to become a master manipulator. It's easy to distort those gifts that God has given you into making you come out on top. You know, if you say this or give this advice or do this, that this situation is going to happen and you're going to come out on top. And it's easy to fall into that trap. And 
exercising earthly wisdom is a lot different from exercising godly wisdom. Because before I got saved, I thought I gave people great advice. I really did. Tell people, yeah, you need to deal with this this way. You need to handle this that way, whatever. But when I became a Christian, I realized, man, that was so destructive what I told them to do. It is not even close to what God says. It's not going to help their situation. And even maybe you can use your earthly wisdom for a temporary fix, put a Band-Aid on a situation. But guess what? That Band-Aid is going to be ripped off. And that sore is not going to be gone. And you thought you helped somebody, but you weren't listening to God. And when people come to you expecting help, be careful that you're giving them divine wisdom and advice. Not anything that goes against God's standards or his statutes. True wisdom lines up to God's word. It's not contrary. If you're finding yourself giving your advice and exercising it that's against what God says, that ain't wisdom, and you're completely out of God's will. Amen? In Proverbs chapter 1, verses 24 through 29, I'll paraphrase this. It says, failure to listen to God, to accept this wisdom, to use it properly, that when calamity and tragedy strikes, God will allow it to happen. He will allow us to take matters in our own hands and fail because we don't truly fear God. You stop listening to God, you stop thinking that he's all-powerful, and you just deal with it, and you handle it your own way, and now situation comes, and it backfires bad, and God's going to let it happen. Because if we fear God truly, then how we live and the advice we give goes through a screening process of, if this happens... Or if I say this, would God be pleased? Would Jesus be comfortable hearing me give the advice I'm giving? Or with how I'm handling the situation, would Jesus be proud of me? Would Jesus be comfortable with me handling in this situation? And we must learn how to discern between situations and not only what to say, but how to say it. And in everything, bringing glory to God. And when we don't exercise wisdom correctly you find yourself in a place where Solomon ended up, where later in his life, he completely turned from God. He married 700 women, had 300 concubines. That's a lot to deal with. And not only that, these women, he allowed them to, he built structures so they could worship these other gods. He's king in Israel, and God is the only God but he is allowing these women that he's lusting after to worship how they want. And so much though that he starts doing the same thing. He starts, did the gift of wisdom go away? No, but he chose how he could exercise it. And he thought that was best. And it was not. And it's easy for us to find ourselves in those situations. If we can't hear God, then we're not spending time with him and if true wisdom comes from God, then how would we expect to receive it if we are far away from him? I don't want you to end up like Solomon where you start regretting the decisions 10 years from now because you failed to do what God told you to do now in this moment. Don't wait. Don't find yourself like Solomon. I can fix it later because if you read through Solomon, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, the dude was really sad and realized he made a lot, a lot of mistakes. And emergency situations are going to come up in our lives where we have to make those immediate decisions. And I guarantee you, if you're spending time with God, if you're in his word, then you can hear him a lot clearer than if you're far away from him. It's a lot easier to hear a whisper if you're right next to his mouth. If you're right there, God, I, I'm here. I'm listening. I'm all in. I'm leaning in on you. I need you to help me. 
instead of you're over here and God's whispering, what are you saying? I don't, I'll just deal with it myself. We have to lean in. We have to have those moments with God because I would say if you aren't hearing him clearly, then maybe you're not growing in your walk with God. Maybe you're stagnant today and your relationship with God has gone cold. It happens. But don't stay in that position. Don't stay stagnant. Start prioritizing your time. Grow with God. It can stop today, and you can, you can set five or ten minutes today even, and every day be like, I'm giving five or ten minutes to you, God. I'm trusting you completely. I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to have that relationship with you because your relationship with God is a lot like marriage because I can take Shay on these awesome, whimsical dates and like, oh, yeah, let's go watch a movie or eat or something. Wasn't that great? Oh, it's great. I love you. It's amazing. And she doesn't talk like that. But anyways, I just did that. And uh, sorry, love. But <laughs> you have those moments where it's awesome. But if that's how you treat your relationship with God, that you only maybe once a week you spend an hour or maybe once a month you do something or you, you go to a conference and that's great in the moment. But if I treated Shay like this, the only time I spent with her were those two-hour moments of it's date night, and then the mornings and the evenings, she's talking to me. I'm like, get away from me. I don't want to talk to you. You think our relationship would be healthy? Why do we think our relationship would be healthy if we treat God that way and don't prioritize our time? You think you're close to God because you spend an hour with him a week? Come on now. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.